Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16 is a parable Jesus told to his disciples where at the beginning of the day, hired laborers agree with the owner of a vineyard on a payment of one denarii a day. Later, throughout the day, the owner hires others without an agreement of wage, only a promise to treat them right. At the end of the day, those going to the work in the last hour of the day are paid first, and they all receive one denarii. Those who agreed to work all day now anticipate more and murmur against the owner when they get but one denarii as well. There are many things to learn in the story. One of them is this, that the Christian life brings us into a work. We're not saved by works, but we are saved to a work, to a glorifying work, one that brings honor to Christ, proclaims His gospel, serves His bride, the church. Another lesson is this. This work is a gift from God, a mercy that brought us out of a truly purposeless life into a work of eternal value. They're saved. They've gained eternal life. And now it's a matter of following the Lord Jesus, and it's a matter of this, the reward that awaits for their service as they faithfully serve Him. But I want you to see that the very fact that you are called into Christ's vineyard to labor for Him presumes that you have first come to be found in Him, that you have been called by Him, and this is in itself uh, grace and a mercy. You don't deserve to serve in this vineyard. You deserve to remain in the idleness of your sin and without a primary purpose for your life. But God in grace and mercy has saved you and rescued you and apportioned to you a work to do that He prepared in advance for you by mercy and grace. Every call that comes upon the Christian to exhort one another, to serve one another, to bless one another, to be an ambassador for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each duty that is placed upon us by our Savior is an expression of the manifold grace of God and mercy of God. The privilege to be able to do this is because of God's grace. I've used this illustration before. I don't know how long ago it was, but in 1993, I was serving in Budapest, carrying on a, an evangelistic ministry in the area of Budapest. We were working with a little Baptist church, and they wanted us to work around their neighborhood. And I was not with my own organization, but with another organization that we're still closely affiliated with. We had about three days of the most difficult time of ministry I've ever had in my life. Every home we went to, the people would shout us and yell at us. I had a gentleman with a meat cleaver claim that he only loved Allah and threatened me at his door at the doorway. Actually, I, I know I've told this story, so you'll remember this. You have heard it before, but he answered the door, and at the time, I was living in Canada, and he said, I don't want to listen to you. I hate Americans. I hate Americans. 
I said, I'm from Canada, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is true. I was from Canada at the time because Canadians, Americans, I like this part. I like sharing this to my Canadian friends. You're all the same. Canadians think that they're not like us, but they are. They're all the same. I hate all Americans. I only love Allah. And he's shaking his meat cleaver in front of me, in which case we slowly backed away from the door. We had gone through a series of doors inside a large apartment complex that had a courtyard in the middle. And so we'd gone the inner circle of it all the way up, looking down the courtyard below. No one had received us. We just kept praying at each door. Finally, we came to the last door. A woman opened the door, and she was very excited to talk to us and wanted to talk to us. And she began to converse with us in her doorway and was going to ask us to come in. And all of a sudden, the courtyard filled up below, and people began cursing and yelling at her and shaking their fists at her. And she slammed the door, and we had to walk away. It was quite discouraging. This went on one day, two days. We were into the third day this happened. This was unlike anything I'd experienced before. I sat down next to my translator on the sidewalk, thinking, I don't think I want to keep doing this. This is starting to become a little painful. I threw my Bible open on my lap before me, one of those moments where you just don't even know where to look or where to go, and my Bible fell open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. And my eye immediately fell to it. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And the Lord said, listen, this is all a mercy from me. To be denied, to be rejected, to be cursed, to be abused. My mercy, my grace, it's my ministry, not yours. What a tremendous comfort. Could have gone all the rest of the week experiencing the same thing. But yielding ourselves to that and bowing our hearts before it and thanking Him and praising Him before it, it's as if God used us through that, teaching that lesson on the fountain and for the next three and a half days, everywhere we went, we found people who were just ablaze with a passion to hear the words of God. People chasing us down streets, inviting us in their homes. It's one of the most wonderful second half of a week I've ever had of ministry in my life. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Listen, the very call to serve the Lord Jesus in the vineyard, the very call to serve one another, to pray for one another, to bless one another, to pray for the lost, to give your witness to the world around you, to be a standard bearer of the gospel in every place is an expression of the mercy of God on your life. The mercy of God in your life, that's why he gave it. So, having said all that, what a wonderful great truth is found here. Grace and mercy has been poured out on us by the Lord of glory. Grace outpoured on all of us to be in the work of the Lord, in the work of a Lord who is just and sovereign and generous. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful promise. But that is something that's indicated in this parable. But there is a problem in the parable, isn't it? The individuals who started out and were brought into this very ministry by this very same act of grace are now found at the end of the day dejected and griping and grumbling. And, well, that's a problem. What went wrong? What was the point at which these individuals who actually thought that they had a good bargain when they first entered into the labor now are complaining that they haven't got all that they think they deserve or that they want? Well, I think here the parable that the Lord Jesus is telling is picking up on this this issue that Peter had. Yes, there was a wonderful expression of faith. Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What are we going to get? At the same time, there was a problem here. Peter was calculating somehow 
what the investment of what he had to offer was going to gain for him. And the Lord likes his faith, but he cautions his calculations because they're completely and utterly wrong-headed. And so let me come to this at this point, this parable in another way. In this case, I believe that if I wasn't speaking to my church, but instead if I was speaking at a conference full of pastors, I believe almost every pastor I spoke to would relate specifically to what I'm saying. But let me just assume that all of you have in your heart a desire to serve the Lord and you've sought to pursue a life of service within the body of Christ. It's not uncommon for a person who has answered Christ's call to enter into the work of the vineyard to become discouraged and disheartened later in the work when things in the ministry don't go as they had dreamed or anticipated that they will go. The enemy wishes to rob the Christian of joy, and if he can't have us in his kingdom, if we must serve in the kingdom of Christ, his next thought is, well, let's let them serve as sadly and be as disappointed as possible in their service. If you go to pastor's conferences, you can almost always know that at least two-thirds of the people there are there hoping that God will lift up their fallen spirits and encourage them. Because they've experienced hard things and rejection and they've experienced great disappointments in their labors and the things that they'd dreamed that they would accomplish and that God would fulfill or the idealistic values that they placed upon life in the place where they served have risen up to disappoint them and they've experienced something else altogether. There are any number of ways that Satan tries to rob the Christian of joy, but one of the ways that he tries to rob us of joy is to rob us of the joy that we should experience in serving the body of Christ and serving in the vineyard of our Lord. We start out seemingly well. We start out with a dream and a hope and a vision and a longing and an excitement and with enthusiasm, but things don't go just as we thought they would go. Things don't turn up just as the way we thought they would turn up. There is resistance from without and there is resistance from within and there's from, with resistance all around. It happens at times like that, that this experience of discouragement comes at us in times when the faith of Peter, Lord, I've given up everything to follow you, turns into the calculations of Peter. What am I going to get? And when I don't get what I thought I was going to get because of my faithful service, I can become discouraged. So for a moment, just consider the course of discouragement and the labor of the gospel that followed these initial individuals who went into the field of service in this parable that the Lord Jesus tells. And I just should share with you that some of these thoughts and ideas are merging together of things that I've drawn just in my own study of the text. But in particular, I was helped by a chapter in a book on spiritual depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones on this very topic. The first thing you'll see in their attitude is that their attitude towards themselves and their work was wrong. The first step in this movement towards bickering and complaining and grumbling was their attitude towards themselves and their work was wrong. They had struck a bargain for their work. I hope you're there in Matthew chapter 20. You'll notice in the parable that the first wave of workers that the owner sends out to his vineyard agreed it says here, the owner of the vineyard agreed with the laborers. That means the laborers are the ones pushing for a number, pushing for a wage, pushing for a bargain. He agreed with the laborers for a denarii a day. There was some haggling that went on, it seems, to have taken place in this first group. And you'll see that this doesn't occur in the groups that follow. 
There's no haggling that takes place in the groups that follow. They're just sent out and told, you'll be paid what's just. You'll be given what's fair at the end of the day. The rest go out just with this promise of receiving what's fair or just. But this first group went out with a clear expectation of a certain specific benefit which they had agreed upon for their labor. And as a result of that, they paid attention to all that they did as worthy of that reward. Right here, there seems to be a calculation in them that was wrong. They had begun serving this master, but only after first striking a bargain with him for what they would get from that service. Keeping that in mind, oftentimes when we go out to serve the Lord, and oftentimes we answer the call of God and service the Lord in places where we get a vision of some place where we can make a positive contribution, where we can touch a life, where we can show a little kindness and a love, and where we can affect some great work, it's okay. It's good to have these visions and these ideas and dreams. And young men will, well, when I was a young boy, I would hear men speak about how God was working and moving around the nations. And I think, oh God, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that work that goes to the ends of the earth and brings your gospel to the ends of the earth. And a vision to be a part of a church that would affect the gospel to the ends of the world. It's all good things. It's, it's all great. But can I just suggest to you sometimes that it's possible that the visions you have for how you will live for God and serve God and how God will use you, the very vision that got you started in the work were actually bargains that you were striking with God. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. If you'd like a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.